This podcast contains strong language. Listener discretion is advised. Storytelling has long been a tradition since before any of us were born. Many cultures would use storytelling as a means of educating people. Every single one of us, our life is a story. And for the ones that get taken, all too often, their story, and particularly their ending, goes untold. We are the storytellers, and things are always a little different down south. Are you enjoying this podcast? Follow us on Patreon. The work we do here is completely pro bono, so your support is incredibly helpful to us moving forward. So, before we get started on the phone interviews, I wanted to apologize that the audio isn't exactly the best. These were my first few recordings, so I was learning. The quality isn't the best but you're definitely going to want to hear this content. So buckle up, because you're in for one hell of a story. In April of 2018, Daniel Yaskovich was reported missing out of Hot Springs, Arkansas. Daniel is described as 6'2 and 200 pounds. There have been no signs of Daniel ever since, and no arrests have been made. This is Daniel's story. Daniel was born in Germany. Then his family moved to Houston in 1991. About a year later, they moved to Arkansas. Daniel and his two siblings grew up in Hot Springs. I asked his brother Misha and his sister Yasmina to tell me about Daniel as a kid. He definitely always knew how to make people laugh, and he had a wonderful, dry sense of humor from the very beginning. But at the same time, he could be very serious. He was a thinker, so he always thought things through. From a very early age, he was very talented. He was your big brother, right? 
Oh my God, he was my big brother. I just loved him so much. I looked up to him. He was so talented that I always wanted to switch rooms with him. So like he would make his room super cool and I would beg him if I, we could switch rooms. And lo and behold, one time he did let me switch rooms with him, but he took all his cool things. So I was like, oh, it's not cool anymore. Yeah, he was just a good great brother and we became you know of course when we were little we he picked on me a lot but as we grew older and we were in our 20s me and him were like best friends we went out all the time when we were single if it was me going out he was with me or if he was going out I was with him so um, we were super close and then when we um, got married we still would call each other I moved away and we almost called each other every day and checked in on each other and he vented to me, and I vented to him, and we had a really close bond. He was loyal. When I was to tell him something, I knew that it would be between he and I, and that he would give me sound advice. Me and him, a lot of people didn't get our humor, so it would just, it could be a group of us, and it would be just the two of us laughing. He was brilliant. His wittiness and quickness and his thought process, I really loved it. Yeah, he had a beautiful mind. I asked Yasmina what she misses the most about her brother. Oh my God. <laughs> He's talking to him. Yeah. No one, uh, he would always pick up the phone. Yeah, I miss him. The totality of him. He was the funniest guy you'll ever meet. Always cracking jokes. Always made everybody laugh. We thought he was going to be a comedian when he grew up. I don't know. He was just a funny character, I guess. Yeah, that's what everybody said. Everybody I've talked to, that's what they say about him. I always thought he was, you know, pretty good guy, kind-hearted. He was always a good carpenter you know he, he knew what he was doing I always looked up to him in that matter you know I asked Misha what he misses the most about his brother I mean everything yeah you know just talking to him and you know seeing what he accomplished you know I love going to see the houses he built and stuff. All around, it was my big brothers. I always looked up to him, you know. When Daniel was in his early 20s, he met Monica. So I met Daniel when I was probably about 22, mm -hmm. 21, which was 21 years ago or so. <laughs> we just had mutual friends that you know, we hung out with, we would see each other at the bars or whatever. And then I didn't see him for a long time. And then I saw him at a mutual friend's house and we just started talking. And then that was that we spent every day together. And then, you know, a year later we got married. So he was very charismatic and had a great sense of humor and he's a hard worker and, you know, he was a good dad and he was very loyal and would do anything. What was your favorite thing about Daniel? Probably his sense of humor. 
yeah. or how hardworking he was. Yeah. He was a good provider. What do you miss the most about him? Just being around here and the kids playing and just his presence. In April of 2018, Daniel's family reported him missing to the Garland County Sheriff's Office after not seeing or hearing from him for several days. Well, I knew something was wrong before we found out anything. So Daniel and I were separated. Um, and But I, I mean, he still came over every day. He still called me about 500 times a day. And, and so the last time I talked to him was Sunday, April the 22nd. Um, and I talked to him at 9.30 that night. And we just, I mean, had our normal conversation. And, you know, we said, I love you, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. And then the next day was Monday, and he didn't call me that morning. So then that night, Kaiser had baseball practice, and he never missed the practice, ever. And so he didn't come to his practice. And I called him, and he didn't answer. His, well, his phone was turned off. Like, it just went straight to voicemail. Not voicemail, but it said, you know, the caller is unavailable or whatever. So I was like, man, something's, that's, something's wrong. So that next day, Tuesday, I went to work, and I called his phone a couple times. I sent him a couple texts, no response. And Kaiser had a baseball game that night, mm-hmm. and he never showed up. And so I went by the house because I said, you know, Tuesday at work, I I was telling my coworkers something's wrong. I mean, no, something's wrong. And I I said, he's missing. And they're like, what do you mean he's missing? I'm like, he's missing. Something's wrong here. Tuesday night after the game, we drove by the house. He wasn't there. His truck wasn't there. So I came home and, you know, I called a few more times and texted a few more times. and, And then his sister was coming in Wednesday. And I thought maybe because his sister was coming in to get the house ready to be sold. It was their mom's house that we had been living in. And um, his mom passed away several years earlier. He was supposed to be getting his stuff out of there Mm -hmm. so they can get it ready to be sold. And so when she came in Wednesday and they rented a condo and we went over there for dinner and I told her something's wrong. You know, Daniel's missing. Something's wrong. She's like, well, what do you mean? Maybe he's just, you know, you know, whatever. And so she said, I'll find out, you know, I'll look more around the house and stuff when I go over there. That was, she was planning on going over there Thursday. So she went over there Thursday and she called and she's like, well, I mean, it looks like I mean, he hasn't done anything, you know, and the house was a mess. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, but he's not, you know, he's not responding. He's not answering. He's not calling. He's not coming to Kaiser's games and he's never in his life missed this. And so then I started calling um, this lady that he was doing work for. I called her, and she had not heard from him since Sunday day, the mm-hmm. previous Sunday day. And then I called a couple of his friends, and they had not heard from him since Sunday. And so that was on Thursday. And then well, Thursday I contacted, I think I contacted his friends first. And then Friday morning I told you, you know, we have to do something. Let me call one more person, and that's when I called the lady that he was doing work for, and she said, I haven't seen him or heard from him since Sunday. And so 
I said, we have to do something, which I was at work. And she said, okay, I'm, I'm going to call the police and I'll report him missing. And I said, okay, I'll be over there. Um, you know, whenever I get off at lunch, I'll come over there. And she was like, well, don't worry about it. I'll just call you if mm-hmm. I have any questions. And so that's when she called the police. I asked Daniel's sister, Yasmina, to go over with me one more time how she knew something was wrong. Then the day before he came, I said, hey, we're flying out in the morning. I'll see you the next morning. I'll be at the house at such and such time. And I never got a response back. And for some reason, my gut already had a weird feeling that day before. May it be my nerves that knew I had to face Daniel and have to go through this whole thing about him moving. You know, I was yeah. like, dread- it was dreadful. So I didn't know if it was my gut that was feeling that was something off or my nervousness. As we arrived that next morning, my husband and I pulled up and my gut, my heart, everything just sank. And I knew something was off before I even approached the door. The gate was closed, and once again, he knew I was coming, and it was closed. It wasn't bright and early. It was like 9, 10. And I noticed that my texts weren't being delivered at this time. I told Joel, I said, something's off. And I said, wait right here. And so he stayed at the front gate, and I jumped the fence. I first walked to the front door, Mm -hmm. and I couldn't see. I just saw a mirror facing the door. Mm -hmm. So I hopped around, I went to the back door, and it was covered by a, I don't remember if it was a towel or sheet, I want to say it was a towel. He left a flap of the towel flapping over from the backside, I was able to tug on it. So I tugged on it, and it was able to lift so I could look through the window of that door. The door had a little, you know, frame window. And that literally everything went kaput in me. I said, everything was so off of my brother's behavior. A, the lights were all on. So we were raised like, you don't put the lights on. He took to that big time. Like he would get mad, you know, if we left the lights on. And the lights were on everywhere, everywhere. And I was able to see through. So if you look from the back of the house, you can see the garage door that comes through the inside, you know, where you're able to walk through. That door was open and the garage door light was on. I mean, never keep the garage door open through the house, ever. And the house was just strewn apart. It was bonkers. And then I was able to see, you know, what a mess. So obviously, he didn't pack a lick, you know. And I think that has a lot to do. He was overwhelmed. Instantly, I knew something was off and wrong with him. Not just, I mean, the house looked like he was spitting, but for him to have left his house in that condition and not be back, to leave all his things there like that and everything open, I knew something was wrong. So I run out, I go back to my husband and said, we got to get in this house, we got to call a a locksmith. So we waited for an hour and locksmith finally got his thing. I walked through that house and everything confirmed that something was wrong. His backpack that he took everywhere was right there. So we left the house kind of the way it is and I said, well, if he is not back by tomorrow and all his things are here, I gotta call the cops. So we left and the next day, sure enough, he didn't return and I called the Garland County Sheriff's Department, reported him missing. 
So they came over, you know, they did a report, and he was reported missing. And then it was either Saturday or Sunday was when they found his truck. A few days after Daniel was reported missing, his truck was found in Glenwood. That's a small town about 30 minutes outside of Hot Springs. And so that's, I mean, I already knew something. I already knew, you know, that was wrong. So, but then whenever they found the truck and the truck was, you know, damaged and the belongings inside were burned and the license plate was burned, mm. I knew, you know, it just confirmed what I already know. So it's me and Misha kind of organized the search and there was maybe 10 people that went out. It was several weeks later. I got you. So, and I was not, I just couldn't go because if I had found, you know, came up on him or something, you know, I just couldn't do that. So, um, I would never been able to get that vision out of my head. So I didn't go. They went, there was like 10 people and, you know, not, I mean, nothing was found. I mean, he wasn't found. That's the last time I've heard from any of the investigators at all. Maybe end of May, 1st of June. The license plates were taken off. The windows were bashed in. The headlights were bashed in. Everything that was in his tr- in the back of his truck was taken out, so you could tell like it was brushed out. I think there's a lot going on, you know. Daniel was always wheeling and dealing, you know, yeah. buying cars, trading cars, trading whatever, you know, buying whatever. I know one thing, and the way he left his house, it shows me, just by his character and, you know, obviously just me knowing how he operates, that somebody came to the house that he completely trusts, or not trusts, but knows very well, and they lured him out of the house. Because for him to just, once again, I suspect something like, hey, come out here, let me show you something, hey... Okay. Let's run over here real quick, and you'll be right back, you know? Like, yeah. an impromptu, like, real quick, like, hey, let's handle this real quick. They either lured him out of the house that way, and it had to, once again, been somebody that he's been running with or completely trusts, because that's the only way he would leave the way he did. Because the way he left, it's like, I'll be right back. So I think somebody was at the house, if not two people, and once they got him outside... They took him. I don't know if that was a struggle outside of the house already, or he jumped in their car, like, all is good. Um, it's definitely somebody that he knows. I want justice for my brother. I want him to be found. It's very upsetting and sickening. Well, if you could tell Daniel one thing, what would it be? I'm tired of it. 
in I2, I'm like, it needs to be told. This is our version. These are the facts that have happened thus far that even the police has backed, you know? So I am gonna let Hot Springs know what is going on. It's time. I'm pissed off. I am so like frustrated and sickened. You could tell that he was very paranoid. You know how I told you I was looking in a mirror from the front door of the house? Yeah. Well, it's because Daniel had the mirror faced. So when you enter that house, there's a mirror. It's like a little foyer, mm-hmm. you know? So there's um, a little mirror right by the front door on the left-hand side. It hangs on the wall. Then he had a long mirror about four feet away. So it was facing that mirror so he could look if people were coming towards the door. Oh, wow. That's okay. How, yeah, he was getting paranoid. So that was happening when his boss said that he started carrying a gun to his job and locking, she said he started locking the front door while he was working inside, which is like, not my brother. I was like, really? And she's like, yeah, he started locking the door behind him, like while he's working inside of the house. The things I found out, so I went, stayed for, I don't know, about a week or so, Mm -hmm. and... I just had to come home and do some work, and I went straight back. I think my husband, we stayed for, for like a month or so. Or oh, wow. A few weeks. And the things I learned of what was going on the past, you know, month before his, his missing, I mean, things so out of character for him, you know? Yeah. Carrying a gun everywhere, uh, locking up behind him, just paranoid. He did not trust something was going on. Yeah, I think that, but the paranoia, somebody he felt like was out to get him. You would think that from everything we've heard, Daniel must have believed that someone was after him. Why else would he be locking the doors behind him on a job site or carrying a gun with him? I asked Yasmina what she would want to say to the person that hurt her brother. I don't know if this person would get it of what I feel. I don't know if they've ever had a love like that. Um, I don't know if they've ever respected someone like I respect Daniel. Um, I don't know if they've ever felt loved by their parents to begin with to Mm -hmm. do something like this to even comprehend his loss his missing what it has done I don't obviously they don't have that they don't have that love they don't know what it means um so it's hard for me to tell them and for them to connect with what I'm saying and how I'm feeling Mm -hmm. because they are obviously evil I hope and pray because I know that God can miraculous things and I hope and pray that he breaks them and that they surrender and come clean and if not that I know that God will give up on them and will let whatever happened to them happen and I believe that he'll let bad things happen to them at some point too if they don't surrender and walk in step with him 
So I know that justice will come at some point, mm -hmm. however that might look like for them. And I want them to know that the Daniel that they were messing with, maybe the six months before he went missing, is not the true Daniel. And it's unfortunate that they didn't get to know the real Daniel. He is loved and he is truly missed by everyone that truly knew Daniel. Like, knew, like, really knew him. <laughs> that think he's so cool and so fun and so, and his kids. He completely just fucked up their heads. They're always going to be. Kaiser was in the East in such informative years. I mean, it's messing with him. They didn't have to do that. We want answers. We want closure. We want answers. And whoever did this is the biggest coward. Because you had to, I know you had to have swindled him and completely blindsided him. Because mm -hmm. otherwise, it wouldn't have happened. As one of his dear friends told me from the very, very beginning, and I don't know if it has helped me. I think he was trying to lift my spirits because for a long time, I would have, and I still do, but I have these films, these little film clips in my in my head of his facial expression of what was going on. Yeah. Was he scared? Uh, what was he thinking? And this person told me, don't worry. Daniel's a cowboy. He gave him a run for this money. He doesn't back down. He fought them until he couldn't. He got ambushed. That is what happened. And so, therefore, they are cowards. What about to the people who saw all these little things happen and they're afraid to come and say something? What do you want to say to them? Please don't be afraid. Come forward. You're living with such an important information, it's gonna eat you alive. The toxins are gonna eat you alive if you don't surrender and come forward with your information to help us. He deserves it, you guys. He deserves more than this. How would you feel if you're left foot? One day, just push, God, please. The truth will set you free. Yes, it will. I want to add that the family of Daniel Yoskovich, which includes myself, my brother, my dad, Monica, Kaiser, and Lachlan, Madeline, and all his friends, would love to know where he's at. And any information is good information, and we will not give up, love him. We just, you know, I always think about my mom. She passed away in uh, 2012. The love she had for Daniel and me, and of course Misha, was so deep. She loved her children so deep. Mm. And my mom was still alive. And if Daniel, if, 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 if this happened, right, mm -hmm. this would have killed my mom. Mm. This would have killed her? I truly believe that. It's, it's so weird. Life is so weird. So what I'm saying is, don't live with regrets. Don't forward. If you have any love in your heart, 
Don't let things fester in you. If you could tell Daniel one thing, what would it be? That I love him. What about the person that hurt him? I hope you rot in hell. And what about all the people who know but won't say anything? I hope they rot in hell too. I mean, just, just think if it was your brother or family member and I knew and I didn't tell you. I couldn't see myself not saying it. If you could tell Daniel one thing, what would it be? What about the person that hurt him? That we just want to know, you know, where is he? I just want him to be found. I really, I do, I mean, I would love justice to be served, but at this point, I don't even care, yeah. you know, that you get in trouble. I don't even care that you serve one day in jail. I just want to know where, because my kids ask every day, you know, they, they don't know. And just the not knowing is so much harder than if we just knew. If you have any information about the disappearance of Daniel Yaskovich, please contact the Garland County Investigations Division at 501-622-3660. And find us on Patreon at Different Down South to help support this podcast. Do you love someone that went missing or was murdered in the South? Reach out to us and let's tell their story together. You can find us at Different Down South on Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon. And our email is in the description. The South is a peculiar place, always has been. When people go missing or get murdered, families are often met with pain and unanswered questions. We allow them to tell the story of their loved one in hopes that they can find peace. We are the storytellers, and things are always a little different down South.